listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast, live and in person, right from the daily grind. So you'll hear beans and bathroom doors and all kinds of fun sound effects. This is Susie Lolly. I'm here with the hostess with the mostest, Carol Whitaker. And we are continuing a series on spiritual apathy and, um, you know, things that can happen when we don't realize we're kind of drifting in our relationship with the Lord. So wanted to start with a little recap in case you're catching us on for the first time ever, which if you are, welcome new listener. But if you're just catching us and you didn't go back to the previous episode, we do recommend that. But let's not leave you hanging. So we had talked about the church in Sardis. It was one of the seven churches of Asia that you might hear referred to where um, God gave a specific message to John. We call him John the Revelator. He was on the island of Patmos, and he was exiled there and during that time received what we call the Revelation. And so in this particular part of Revelation, he was given messages for seven specific churches. And from those messages, it's amazing. I think Carol would agree that we can take so many lessons in our own lives and our own churches now. And so she's going to talk about a couple of the churches during this series, maybe three. So that's not a couple. Um, but specifically with Sardis, um, I was going to read you that passage again. It says it's in the very first part of Revelation chapter three. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write: These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy." So we talked about how Sardis represents the church that appears to have it together, and really it's all outward. Their inward man is not renewed. It's not walking close with the Lord. And then uh, Carol gave us two takeaways from the passage, and we're going to continue that series. But um, she talked about how God knows everything about us. So that could seem scary, but how cool it is, too, that God, who already knows all about us, still loves us, chose to love us, knowing everything we would ever do. And then the other thing is that even though it doesn't feel good, God warns us because he loves us. So when he sees us drifting, he is going to say something about it because he's a good father. He's the perfect father. So we told you this week we would give you the third point, but bonus, we have four. (laughs) We wrote in the heading three and then realized, oh, we had four things to say. So the good news is you're getting another two tips that you can take away from the beginning of Revelation chapter three. So Carol, take it away. Before we get into those two points, mm-hmm. um, I do want to say one thing about the Church of Sardis that I think is really important in talking about apathy and talking about holding fast in our faith. And one interesting point about this particular city is that it was situated high on a plateau so that it had a military advantage, that it was very difficult for enemies to infiltrate the city because they had to climb up these very high walls. And if they were guarded then they couldn't really you know they had to come up to them and it was very difficult to infiltrate the city and so you know it was it was it was to their advantage but twice in the history of Sardis they actually were infiltrated because no one was watching 
no one was guarding the walls. And I think that it's a very clear picture of basically, we talked about a little bit in the first episode of what apathy really is, is that it's, we let our guard down, Mm -hmm. we let things drift, we're not vigilant, we're not listening, you know, to the spirit of God, or we're just kind of letting things go. We're not holding fast. And so that's a very clear picture. So I wanted to kind of start there, but in this particular episode, we're going to kind of focus on not only apathy, but just the warnings that, that, um, we talked about it a little bit last time, but just the warnings that, that God will give us. It's not that he just, you know, um, that he doesn't tell us where we're at. I mean, Jesus warns us. He tries to keep us on the right path and he, he does it because he loves us. But before we get to our point, Susie, I just want to ask you, have you ever, do you have a story about a warning of a time where you were maybe warned and didn't heed the warning or you know of someone who did um, as we kind of launch into this episode? Well, I'm going to give, I guess, what I would consider a non-spiritual example, but it's a very, very strong uh, example in my mind. My husband, maybe about 10, 12 something years ago, took a trip to Panama City for a fishing trip. And as he's on the beach, the, um, you know, you'll, they'll put up the flags to tell you whether it's okay to swim. And so this was a red flag day. Well, apparently a man and his little boy had gone out to swim. And I don't know the whole, the story about what happened to the little boy, but I do know that he watched this grown man drown. And if you're looking at it logically, you're thinking like, okay, there was a red flag. Like that clearly means the riptide is really strong. You know, a lot of times uh, you won't even see lifeguards on duty. I've been to the beach before where you just see red flags and there's really nobody out there. So this person chose to swim. He ignored that huge warning. And sometimes we're just saying, oh God, won't you give me a warning? But if we're spending time with him, he's going to put up red flags for us. Like that's, he's never going to leave us friendless or comfortless or without help. So that leads right into what you wanted to say in your your third point from this passage. So you said God gives them a prescription. So speaking of them, Sardis, but also to us, God gives them a prescription for their malady. So talk about that. Right. Before I get to that point, I just, what was coming to mind as you were talking is, you know, how a lot of times in our life we'll ignore the warnings. And I was thinking of a season in my college years where I was drifting a bit going to a Bible college but I began to just there were some hurtful situations in my life and I was turning against God a little bit as I was also trying to keep a relationship with him but I was sort of questioning some things and just drifting a little bit and spending some time late at night going to places I really shouldn't have been at and over the summer of one of my um one of the the years I was going out quite late frequently and I got stopped which I've I've never had run-ins with the police before (laughs) but I got stopped in that particular summer probably three or four times within a month late at night and they were for very odd reasons one time because I was going five miles over the speed limit which no one ever I mean isn't that like what no, people normally do. I drive seven over, so. <laughs> well, I'm kind of a normal, like, ten over yeah. usually. Like, I feel like if I'm in the ten, ten range, I might do five over if there's a police officer behind me. But but I, another time, you know, I just frequently got pulled over, and I didn't get tickets or even written up. I got warnings each time, but it was like 
I just kept on getting, it was unsettling to me because I, I just kind of got the sense like God was putting these little, you know, he was really, I, I didn't feel good about the choices I was making. And God was really, I think, putting some people in my path saying, Carol, you're going down, you know, stop yeah. before you go too far. But a lot of times, you know, someone will maybe say something to us or we'll hear directly from God or yeah. it will just be a series of events that if we're really in tune, we'll start thinking, okay, have am I just getting pulled over by four police officers in two weeks because... <laughs> It's just random or, you know, do I need to maybe not be out at late, late at night, you know, doing things I shouldn't be doing. Right. It's yeah. He, he sets up sometimes physical roadblocks. So let's talk about that prescription that God gives people. Okay. So going back to the church of Sardis again, their problem was that they were outwardly, um, you know, outwardly saying, you know, they were Christian but inwardly, they were compromising, and they were just going through the motions. There wasn't really any life in the church. And so he basically gives them a solution, and he tells them, Wake up, strengthen what remains, and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. So if we unpack that a little bit, first of all, he tells them, to, to basically repent. Now that's at the end of that little um, passage there. But repentance in the New Testament, when that word is used, repent or repentance, is referring to not just you know turning to God and confessing that you're wrong. It's really indicating a change in behavior. Um, because God is telling them here, he's not just telling them, Hey guys, I've noticed a little problem. You need to confess that and then, you know, let them just keep on doing what they're doing. I mean, he's really saying what he's saying so that they'll change, right? And he gives them um, some kind of ideas Mm -hmm. as far as how they can change their actions. If we look before the word repent, we, we see a few things that they can do. First, he tells them to strengthen what remains and is about to die. And for the strengthening, I believe that most likely he's kind of referring to two things, is that they can resurrect their devotion to God by really getting back into their quiet time with him, really reading his word, prayer time. Because as we talked about in the first episode, a lot of times a drift happens when we love God, but we stop really, you know, allotting that time for him yeah. or we're just putting a check in the box. We're, we're doing a devotion in the morning just to say we are, but we're just reading words. We're not letting it penetrate our spirit. We're not asking him what we can learn from it. We're, we're not, you know, really being teachable, I guess. We're not really actively hearing from him. Um, and also strengthening as far as they can stir up. It tells us, in, for instance, in 2 Timothy 1.6, it tells up to um, to stir up our spiritual gifts basically by developing and using them. So another way that they can really, I think God is telling them to turn from their complacency is to stir up what he has given them by, um, by once again, not only actively seeking him, but acting on his, you know, on his promptings. Because I think that that, 
a lot of times is what happens with complacency is that we may even be very connected to God, but we, if we're resisting his spirit, then we can really quench his spirit in our life that, that we can really get to a place of being entirely stagnant if we're not listening um, to his spirit. And so he tells them to strengthen um, and then he urges them to remember and hold fast to the instructions they have received. So to really um, do those things that they've drifted away from and then you know, keep on doing those things to remember um, and not to allow themselves to sink away or drift away from the truths that have held them fast before. And I just want to say kind of before we get to our next point, a way that I think this really makes sense is a lot of times when I'm writing an article, there will be something in my life that will happen that will make it just to make it make sense. Yeah. And a few um, weeks ago, which it's August in Georgia, by the way, <laughs> and we we have an air conditioning unit that has been a little unreliable lately. <laughs> And temperatures have been in the 90s. Mm. And this may not make sense. If you're listening from another part of the country, I grew up in Washington State in coastal western Washington where temperatures, it might get to 90, but it's not humid. And we never had an air conditioning unit in our house, and we were fine. Like, there might be five days a year that it gets a little hot, but you can open the window and you're okay. But in Georgia, I'm not joking when I say that you can die if you do not have, you know... If you, uh, it, you know, especially if small children sleeping upstairs. Um, and it's been extra hot, not yeah. just Georgia hot. <laughs> right. The temperature upstairs when the air conditioning is not working is 89, which yeah. you try sleeping in 89 <laughs> degrees, it, it's it's miserable. But anyway, so we've had problems with our air conditioning unit freezing up several times over the last few months. And so we had someone come out and look at it again for like the fourth time. And they crawled up in her attic and I felt very sorry for them because it must have been 106 um, when they did because it's at the top of the house. But they crawled up there and they found out that our air conditioning unit was improperly installed. It's a brand new unit. It's like three years old, but it doesn't have enough duct work. They only per- installed 50% of the duct work that was needed. Mm. So what happens is that there's all this power in the unit and it's trying to squeeze through not enough duct work. So what happens, and I'm not an AC person, <laughs> so I may not be explaining this correctly, but what happens is that it will, especially when there's fluctuations in temperature, like at night, yeah, it will just, the whole unit, it, was, it will strain so hard to get, it has so much power and not enough place to go yeah. that it will freeze up the whole unit. And I just thought about, wow, you know, how similar is that to when we're resisting the spirit of God in our lives, that there's all this power that God wants to generate through us. Yeah. And we're responsible for, he's responsible for, you know, doing what he wants to do, but we have to be the willing vessels. And if we're not allowing him to work through us, then we're kind of like that AC unit with, there's no place for that power to go. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're getting, we're freezing up. Yeah. And I don't know about you, we also have an issue with duct work, but ours was going to be another 2000 so we have not made anything happen yet. But, um, so it's our it's our option whether we continue to resist and quench. And the Bible talks about, you know, 
that your conscience can become seared. You know, the more you resist, 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 God is not, he can do anything he wants to do. He just will not do it through you if you, you know, if you don't want him to do that and you, you want to resist him. I was thinking, too, of that word repent. You know, repenting in that situation would be, I'm going to get some more duct work. Like, if we're going to talk in the physical, I'm going to change my mind, I'm going to change my direction, and I'm going to get some more duct work for however many thousand dollars. Um, but I was thinking, too, of my little girl. She's, she just turned two last week, and she tells me, sorry, after she does, because I've trained her to say I'm sorry, but I don't think she's really sorry all the time. <laughs> So I feel like it's the same way with us that, that God is saying to Sardis, don't just say, sorry, you know, and you're not really. But, yeah, change your mind, change your ways, turn the opposite direction. And that's God is the one who enables us to do that, but we have to be that willing vessel. And that's really what repentance is. It's not just a quick sorry and move on. Uh, but the last thing, I think it's our last one, yes, I want to make sure we didn't have a secret five in there like we had a secret four. But um, the last main thing that we want to take away from the passage was Jesus tells them. He doesn't keep it a secret. He tells them what's going to happen if they don't heed the warning. Right. So not only is there a warning about just their behavior in the passage and a call to repent, there is an additional warning in the passage about what will happen if they ignore Jesus' words. Um, He says, if you do not wake, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I come to you. And... This is a terrifying passage to look at. Mm -hmm. And why does Jesus refer to himself as a thief? What is he saying here exactly? And this can be very, you know, this can be very unsettling. But it says that, you know, in the Bible, it tells us all scripture is useful for us. Mm -hmm. And so even hard passages, we have to look at them and say, what, what does this mean? I love what theologian Albert Barnes says about this. He says, Jesus is clear by his words that we will run into consequences if we do not heed his warning. The message of Jesus coming like a thief suggests that we will be taken by surprise. So we, not necessarily that Jesus is going to, you know, we think of thief and we think of like Jesus is coming to take all our gold or something. No, it's talking about he's going to catch us by surprise. Mm-hmm. That a lot of times, especially if we're going our own path, if we're just not spending time with him or we're resisting, we're resisting the nudges of, of the spirit, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're searing our own conscience. Um, all of a sudden, you know, things could be going fine for us. And then all of a sudden the situation, um, may take a turn and all of a sudden the consequences for whatever choices we've been making come come you know take and we may be completely taken by surprise yeah but it just kind of is telling us that it's you know Jesus is really aware of where we're at and he wants us to really listen and be mindful when he when he gives us a warning and so many ministries um particularly you know a lot of times you'll see a ministry that appears to be thriving appears to be doing great and then all of a sudden you'll hear some kind of scandal come out and a minister you know all along was hiding an affair for a long time or had some kind of mismanagement management with money or some other thing is and they're completely exposed not to say that that person can't you know a lot of times that happens and the person has to go through a process repentance and then they go on to have another you know ministry but all that could have been avoided, right? Yeah. I'm sure that Jesus had warned and warned and right. warned 
do not go down this path. And they continued, and then it all, they might have lost their marriage, the trust of friends. You know, um, I'm thinking of one particular, it was like a television um, ministry that was really thriving, I think, in the 80s. I watched a documentary on it. (laughs) And they were really doing some, I guess, underhanded things with money. Yeah. And really more about money than actually spreading the gospel. And they thrived for a long time. And then it came out some things about the the leader. And he ended up going to jail. And just really, really sad. But Jesus isn't going to stand by. And, you know, even ministers, you know, people who lead ministries were were really accountable. So he's not going to stand by. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you know, we have to, we have to do, you know, we have to live out what we're supposed to. And I think it's all about us laying our head on his chest, you know, and listening to his heartbeat, listening to what he wants us to do. And the other thing about you might miss a warning of consequences, but you might also miss, like, um, I'm thinking of times I've just heard, for example, a a crisis of suicides in the school district that you and I used to work for. They've had 10 in the last 18 months. And I didn't teach those children. I don't know anybody and I've, you know, been gone for a year. But I think God, how many opportunities do we have to just impact people in general? It could have been those high school students or middle school students. It could have also been, you know, just people we meet in the grocery line. If we don't have our, you know, if we're not really awake, if we're just faking awake, then our spirit's not sensitive for opportunities that we might have to reach out to somebody. And I, I used a, like a harsh example there, but we don't know what anybody's going through, but the Holy Spirit does. The same way that consequences don't take him by surprise. He knew what the televangelist was doing the whole time. And yes, I do believe that man's repented. But, um, you know, he, he knows our consequences ahead of time, but he also knows opportunities that he has prepared for us. And if we are just faking it, and I know there have been days when I have felt dead and I have not been as close to the Lord as I needed to be. And I ha- I'm sure have missed out on opportunities to impact somebody's life positively. Now, whatever that person decides is not on me. However, how sad that, you know, I could have been a vessel that God could use. And so we need to remember that too, that repentance and staying close to the Lord and not veering off is important both for prevention of consequences, but also for him to give us the fullest, most abundant life that he wants to give us where we are able to be used for him. So I know you wanted to conclude with a story um, as we, we're going to kind of go into another episode, but let's just talk about, you know, stories of, of people. You've got one in particular where somebody did have a warning and, you know, what happened with that? I want to just, yeah, end with a story and a story that has a positive note. I mean, yeah. this is a heavy message and we've been talking about what happens when we don't heed warnings, mm-hmm. but I think it's important to look at you know, what happens when we do. Yeah, the blessings. And that it can it can have a good ending. Um, so my pastor, one of the pastors at the church, not the head pastor, but one of the assistant pastors, shared a story of a man. He actually met him. He was, I don't know, going to a conference, but it was his Uber driver. Mm-hmm. And it was, he wasn't the only one. It was like a group. It was he and another pastor and their wives. So in jumps all these pastors into this Uber Uber car, and of course he gets the question, "Hey, you know, where are you guys from? What do you do?" Yeah. And being a pastor, that's kind of not the most fun question sometimes because <laughs> you can get a variety of reactions. Oh, yeah. I'm a pastor, you know, and some people immediately, you know, give it to you as far as what they think of churches and 
But this particular man uh, shared his story. He was actually excited that they were pastors and said that he was a Christian and that he had um, back backslidden. Is that, that the right word? Mm-hmm. Um, in his faith. And he was working as a, a website developer for an, an, a porn site. And he was also seeing prostitutes um, in secret without his wife really knowing. And one day he was sitting in a hotel and he was waiting for a prostitute actually to come. And he heard very clearly these words in his mind. He said, you're breaking my heart. And he knew exactly who was speaking to him because you know when the lord speaks to us it's undeniable it's not just like another thought it mm-hmm. literally sinks in your spirit and when it comes you know mm-hmm. because there's nobody else who could know exactly yeah. everything that you're doing he said you're breaking my heart and it was the lord telling him very clearly that was his warning to step away from the you know the job he had which was not pleasing to the Lord, was supporting, you know, a sinful, yeah. sinful, you know, website. And then, of course, what he was doing on the side. So he left the hotel. He went home. He confessed to his wife. Um, and he got a different job. And so now he, you know, has a, t- a whole new story. But it was, you know, he listened to the warning. So I love that when Jesus warns us, it's always for our good. It's always because he wants what's best for us. And so the question with this podcast to really think about is, you know, what is what is Jesus telling us? Um, lately, can we receive his words? Have Has he been making us angry because he's not telling us what we want to hear? Or have we been opening ourselves up to him and understand, you know, what he's telling us is to steer us, being willing to embrace not only the Jesus that comforts us and, you know, that loves us in the way that, you know, um, is he's walking alongside us with a friend, but he's also the friend that tells us when we're in danger. And Revelation, this passage just ends and it just tells us that those who, um, to, who basically listen, who go the right way, they will walk with him and they will be dressed in white. And it's this idea of when we listen that we take we become formed into his very image and we also um walk in the sense that we're always growing and advancing that we don't get stagnant um that we're not you know we're not slipping into uselessness and decay that he's using us and we have the privileges and honors open to us that we wouldn't if we didn't listen absolutely so i'm going to pray that we would if we're on the wrong path that we would turn to him but also those of us who maybe are a little bit pharisaical and a little bit you know maybe unaware that we would ask God even if it's painful God I want to hear from you so let's just pray God I love you I thank you God and I just want to pray what I just said which is God show us where we are you're the one who knows you know the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all else we we can't trust our heart like the world might say just trust your heart but you know Lord that the heart really is not somebody we can't, I'm personifying it here, but it's not somebody that we can really rely on. But God, you're the one that we can rely on. God, and you will not lead us astray. You're not going to like, you know, hide from us. You don't keep yourself from us. If we seek you, God, if we just lay our head on your chest, like I said, if we just nuzzle up to you, we're going to hear your whispers, God. We're going to, you're going to, um, you know, 
you also say this is the way walk in it god you're going to give us like little voices that just tell us what to do not maybe every second of every decision god but you're going to help us to do as a podcast i listen to says the next right thing and i just pray god that that where we have veered away from you and we're unaware god make us aware god as we pursue you god just stop us in our tracks god if we're about to to go off and do something we shouldn't do god and and restore unto us the joy of our salvation and our purpose, God. Cause us to repent if we need to change direction and change our mind. Because the bottom line is that everything in this world, you say, is passing away. It's temporary. But the things that we can't see are eternal. We want to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We want to store up a crown of life. And I just pray, God, that you would not let anything get in the way of us doing that. We love you so much. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.